Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Wi-Fi and HomePug connected watering systems. Today on a very special episode of Blossom, released at the company on the Smart Home Show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Smart Home Show. This is Mike Wolf, and I couldn't resist the Blossom reference, the old TV show. But actually, we're talking to the company Blossom, and we're talking to Manrique Brennis, the CEO of Blossom. And we do a little reminiscing because Manrique is co-founders of the company with Matt McRae, who I know from his days at Linksys. So we talk a little bit about Linksys, a little bit about Matt, who's now CTO of Vizio. But he's also chairman of the company. And, and really, Matt's the reason I wanted to talk to these guys because I know Matt. And I think his pedigree and the fact that he's the chairman and kind of backing this company kind of showed me they were legit. As you guys know, I'm, I'm often a little skeptical, increasingly so, of Kickstarter projects. But these guys have their product ready to go. Uh, their their Kickstarter is really more of a, a product market validation, help them get some initial customers and get some feedback. But it looks like they're ready to ship this product in January to backers and in March in wider availability. So we talk about what they're doing with Blossom, which really is a, a smart watering system. Um, and they actually have plans as a company to grow beyond this. They see themselves as more than just an irrigation company. You can find out more about Blossom by going to myblossom.com. And as always, thank you for listening to the Smart Home Show. Um, I actually will get a Smart Home Weekly update out. And uh, like I said, if you if you haven't seen already, I'm actually doing another giveaway. We're giving away a Dana Lock, a Bluetooth and Z-Wave compatible Smart Lock. So if you want to enter that, just go to technology.fm. You can find out how to do that. Or go to the smarthomeshow.com. That'll take you there. And I want to thank everyone who listens. Man, we were, I think for like a minute or maybe a half a day, we were number 80 in total tech podcasts in the iTunes rankings last, last week. I think it was on Friday. So I want to thank everyone who's listening. I really appreciate everyone who's listening, everyone who's entered the competitions. And just thank you for all the support. I'm getting a lot of great emails as well. So I really appreciate that, all you listeners of the Smart Home Show. So once again, everyone, thanks for listening. And here's my conversation with Manrique Brennis. Hey, well, I really am excited to have Manrique Brennis on today's Smart Home Show. How are you doing, Manrique? Doing really well, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show and talk about Blossom. And we'll, we'll, we'll hear more about that. But first, I just want to talk about some... Uh, talk shop about some past friends. You used to work at Cisco with uh, our friend Matt, who's now the CTO at Vizio. Yes, Matt and I worked together back when Linksys was acquired by Cisco. I used to run the the um, service provider um, product line, and Matt was running a lot of the engagements with the service provider. So, so we worked a lot together. We became good friends, and um, we've always been talking about doing our, our own startup. And after, you know, the years at Cisco and the years at Microsoft, I, we finally got together and we, we got Blossom going. Yeah. And, you know, Matt McRae, who we're talking about, actually was with Linksys, I believe, before they got acquired by Cisco, right? And so that would date him back to the Janie and Victor Sow days. And Janie and Victor Sow, for those of you who are real connected home historians, were the founders of Linksys and really the creators of the first home router. And they just got honored by the uh, Consumer Electronics Association for that. So I just had to throw in all that nostalgia. <laughs> so. Yes, yes. Uh, Matt is uh, of that era. And, and actually, when I was there, Victor and Janie were still running the company. So, yeah, great people. They, they really 
did great with that first router and then the first Wi-Fi router too. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And uh, I still have my old Linky, uh, my affectionately called Linky, laying around somewhere. It probably still runs if I plugged it in, but it, the, the Wi-Fi is pretty slow. But <laughs> but uh, we're not here to talk about that. I actually was intrigued by you guys partially because I got an email from Matt, Matt McRae, uh, CTO of Vizio, uh, doing great things there. But he is a an advisor and an investor in the company. So talk about his role, and then we'll talk about Blossom. Yes, Matt is the chairman of the company. Right? Okay, he's the chairman. Yeah, and uh, – he is uh, a chairman founder, really. Matt has been with us since the beginning. He advises us and, and is very engaged in terms of the strategic direction of the company, gives a ton of input in technology and roadmap as well. So, no, we, we, he's engaged. He's, he's, uh, he's more than an advisor, in my, in my opinion. And you are the CEO of Blossom, and Blossom is a – well, you probably do a lot better job. I'd, I'd probably butcher it. I'll let you give the elevator pitch. What, what is Blossom? Blossom is – Blossom's first product is a, uh, a smart irrigation controller. It's the first irrigation controller that is actually weather-based and it has multiple connectivity and has, it's, it's outdoors and indoors-based. Um, we see ourselves as a, as a company looking at the smart home, but outside the four walls of the house. Um, we think there's a ton of things out there that are going to be automated in the, in the exterior of the house that require a different set of, of connectivity options that are that are different in nature from many ways from what's happening inside the house. And we think that the sprinklers are are a first example of that. Um, and so we engage with Matt, uh, Matt uh, Kaidokert, my other partner and founder and CTO of the company, who worked at uh, Skype for many years, uh, was responsible at Skype for all the embedded Skype products. So the uh, the TVs and the phones and the the Wi-Fi phones, they were all started with with, uh, with Kaido. So the three of us got together and we, we wanted to look at, at, a, at a startup and we looked at a multitude of things. We were really intrigued by the connected home, by things that Nest was doing back in 2012 before it was such a, such a big company. And um, we looked at the water problem and we felt that was a compelling problem that needed to be addressed. We looked at the stats on water um, and we found out that uh, roughly more than half the water that is used in an average household is used outside the house. And most of that is used in the garden with the sprinklers. And roughly half of that is wasted. And, you know, being in California, that, that really caught our attention. Then we look at how many homes have sprinklers, and it's, it's tens of millions, right? So that drove us to try to address the problem, and, and we came up with, uh, with Blossom. Yeah, and I think that, you know, one of the key tenets of, of the smart home and one of the principles that I think uh, is driving a lot of the innovation is around better use of resources. And certainly uh, I've, I've seen some increased momentum and, and interest around addressing the water. I mean, there's certainly been a lot of interest around energy usage and consumption with, with the Nest and all the kind of the, uh, the companies doing similar things. But I think one of the next big waves is going to be looking at water because certainly you're, you're in California – and, and all of us are facing the same issue in that water is becoming an increasingly constrained resource. So I think it makes a lot of sense. I think you guys are kind of a sign of what's coming uh, in terms of like more uh, more smart home innovation around the water system. Totally. When you look at, at, at home water usage and you look at the stats, if you really want to have an impact on, on water usage, the place to do it, the lowest hanging fruit and where you can, where you can be the most effective because there's the most waste is certainly the, the, the irrigation, the garden, the watering. 
Um, that's why we decided to tackle that side. And, you know, I think that the first, and you said this is the first product, so I'd be interested to hear if you, you are looking at other things around water, but the first one you're doing is addressing the, the, the watering of, of the garden, of the grass. So talk about Blossom, what exactly it does, and, and maybe how it's a little bit differentiated from a few others. Because there are others, like, you know, for example, I have talked to Raccio, um, yes. for example. So talk about what your guys' product is and how it's differentiated. So what, what Blossom does is, is a retrofit uh, product. Right? We go back to our users that acquire Blossom. We'll, we'll basically take out their old controller, uh, keeping the same wiring, the same valves, they don't really touch anything else but the old controller. Uh, they replace it with our controller that is that is set up to be able to take uh, the same setup that they have today, and they register that device with with an app on a, on an iPhone or or a web um, interface. And once they register that device, we get their location, and based on their location, we gather a ton of uh, weather data. With that weather data. We generate what is called uh, the evapotranspiration, the reference evapotranspiration, and we essentially can, from there, start calculating the demand uh, of that of that garden in terms of water. We start adjusting the irrigation cycles. So, so we do two things, right? We look at how much consumption is is there based on the weather mostly, but we get a lot of feedback from the users also in terms of their their plant type, their irrigation type, whether or not they get direct rainfall or not, and then. We also look at the likelihood of rain coming forward. So when you're trying to manage the water in the soil, what you want to do is keep the, the water at the, the, the soil moisture content at the lowest level possible without stressing the plants. Because what that allows you to do is that when there's a rainfall event, you have water holding capacity in the soil that will allow you to absorb that water and use it. And we keep track of all of that. And we keep track of all of that on a per zone basis. And we ask our users to give us feedback whenever they want in terms of like, well, it's looking, maybe the model is not perfect. It's maybe looking a little bit dry, a little bit wet. And with that feedback, we start fine-tuning our model. We also provide to our users a very simple interface to manage their, their irrigation system. A lot of people, the systems that, that, that are in place today are essentially timers that have, that have been built the same way they were built 30 or 40 years ago. The interface is, is very poor. It's very difficult to understand. So a lot of people are challenged by the the daily management of the controller. It's not only hard to know how much time they need to irrigate, but even if they have an idea how much they want, it's hard to go and program it. So what we do is we provide them a very simple interface uh, that allows them to set the start times and the days of the week that they want, and if they want to make any adjustments on, on, on the actual amount of water that they're getting. It also provides them an easy interface to do an on-off. So if you just seeded your 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 grass or applied fertilizer or want to do a little bit of a cool down spray, you can just take out your phone and do it. So we provide both savings and ease of use. Now what's interesting about the product is that when we look at this challenge, the first thing that we we debated, and you can imagine, you know, um, Matt having been at, at, at Linksys for such a long time and myself having been at Cisco for a long time and Kaido having done so much work on on different um, embedded systems, we debated a lot of, about what was the best way to get these type of devices connected? So we look at C-Wave and we look at Zigbee and we look at uh, unlicensed uh, spectrum and we looked at uh, Wi-Fi, of course, and we look at Powerline. And we had a, a lot of a lot of debate and a lot of back and forth on what was the best technology. And this is a year and a half ago, so there's still a lot of things to be sorted out in terms of what is the ecosystem that is going to that is going to become relevant, right? So 
ultimately what we ended up doing was building a board with multiple radios and doing a survey of, of a few dozen homes here in the state and, uh, and testing the radios and testing power line. And what we found is that a large percentage, almost 30% of the homes that we went to, the radios had no coverage where the controllers were. And when you think about the problem, it's not that surprising. A lot of the controllers are installed outdoors and they're installed outdoors attached to a wall. Many times these, these walls are covered by a stucco and the stucco has uh, a wire mesh behind it. So you essentially have a, a Faraday cage around the, around the house. A lot of controllers were installed in the garage and there might be a firewall, uh, in the garage built to it or they may be behind a, a, a water heater and that provided, you know, connectivity issues. And we tested power line and it worked really well. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually, not, I'm actually surprised that more people aren't using PowerLine because I I continuously have Wi-Fi issues in in my house. I mean it's 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 no matter what I always seem to have Wi-Fi issues and I've started to notice a couple startups starting to embrace PowerLine because it is such a great technology and it's like this technology that people have almost forgotten about HomePlug in particular, which has kind of become the de facto. So it's an interesting choice that you guys made. I think it's probably a good one. Yes. No, we're very happy about it. The the, the we found out that it was reliable and it was, I mean, it's a very cost-effective alternative, right? Um, there's this home plug is not that popular in the U.S., but it is very popular everywhere else. So there, there are economies of scales around the technology, which, which makes it also interesting. Um, the amount of bandwidth that we consume is, is limited, right? We need a persistent connection and a reliable connection, but, but it's not that much throughput, right? For those of you listening and you who haven't used Powerline, it is by far the best Netflix streaming technology there is. Like if if you're having trouble in the room getting that video, go go get some HomePlug receivers. Sorry for the commercial for HomePlug. I'm just a big fan of it, so I'll let you go on. Okay. Uh, so so we like it. We 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 and we so we went down that path. Yep. Now we also kept a Wi-Fi interface on our device, and and we left it there for for two reasons. Uh, Although HomePlug is very reliable and we think it's the best technology for this, there are certain corner cases where, where, it, where it may not work. And we found uh, on the survey of homes that we did, we found one house, for example, where they were all completely Wi-Fi. Yep. And so we needed to decide to keep the Wi-Fi interface there. Uh, we've also, doing the surveys, of, as we've done our field testing, we found a few houses where they've done a remodel, for example, and they find they, they've put in two separate panels of... of um, uh, wiring panels and, and, and HomePlug sometimes jumps through the meter, but it sometimes does. And so, so we have a backup. And the notion is that we will be able to tell our users with confidence that basically all of them will be able to connect our device. And we think that's fundamental. And, and it is the first challenge that we make. The other thing that is interesting about HomePlug is that the user installation experience is, is pretty straightforward, right? We, we provide the bridge. The device that we built already has a, a uh, Powerline Pi built into it. So the user connects the, the HomePlug device and connects our, our, our device and immediately we have connectivity. There's no notion of, you know, determining which SSID it is or what's the password for it, right? So it, it becomes a really nice, um, user experience, very reliable and, and also allows us to, to build something that, that can be deployed outdoors without connectivity problems. Which brings me to the second thing where, which we think is, is a big differentiator for the product. A lot of the products uh, of the of the controllers today are installed outdoors, and so we, from the beginning, decided to build a product that would be um, 
rated IP54 that it can withstand the, 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 the elements outside so that people could confidently deploy this product either indoors or outdoors. And that way we can address all the market. Talk about where you are on product because it sounds like you started working on this about a year and a half ago. On your Kickstarter page, you guys look like you're going to be shipping to backers in March 2015 or so. So it sounds like you're pretty far along on product development. Uh, Mike, we're pretty much done. We've been working on this. Uh, we did the first prototype, I think, back in September or August of last year. So we've been, and we started working on the project and looking at the architecture back in, you know, in October, November of 2012. So it's been, it's been, it's been a long, a long plan. We've, uh, we've been, uh, putting a lot of resources. We, we finished all our, all our, all of our, you know, engineering, uh, design verification testing. We've advanced compliance. We've done our pilot runs. I mean, we're pretty much in the final stretch right now. We actually just shipped the first few hundred units to the U.S. that we're using for our controlled beta trials. We've been on a friends and family trials for a while. So things are, things are moving along. We're, 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 we are aiming to ship the first uh, hundred um, uh, Kickstarter backers in January. Yeah, that's great. And as people and listen, who listen to the show know, I've, I've, I'm increasingly cautious when talking to companies who approach me to pitch or want to come on the show, or whatever about and and their Kickstarter projects. But clearly, um, Matt's pedigree got me guys. Got, it was a great confirmation for you guys. Is yours yours as well? But I also look closely at how far along the product is because a lot of times folks do a Kickstarter when it's not much more than like uh, notes on a napkin or a PowerPoint, right? And so it's good to hear that you guys are far along. And it sounds to me like you guys were going to ship regardless of of the Kickstarter. And the Kickstarter probably, which is probably the right approach, is more of a, a market validation and also just kind of getting that first uh, set of customers, maybe to even kind of get some feedback. It, it it's been great. From both perspectives, and and you know we've gotten uh, a lot of coverage. We had we had intentionally kept the company on the wraps for a long time, even though we we started early on, and and you know we chose to build a product that was was harder to build. I mean, integrating Powerline in a IP54 package is not trivial, um, and we wanted to do it right. Uh, Matt and I and Kaido had been doing hardware for many many years, and. Uh, um, we have backers that are in the hardware business as well. So, so that helps us a, a lot. Um, what it's, what it's interesting, what has been really good about it's not the courage we've gotten, but we've gotten the, the Kickstarter, uh, community is super proactive. We've gotten tons of feedback of what people would like to see in the product. Um, you know, things like, Hey, what are you going to do with in terms of like uh, a REST API? Are you going to support? Uh, and if, uh, this, then that, I mean, all these features, right. And things that, that we, we knew of, but we get a really good pulse of what people are looking at also. So it's been super, super good that the, uh, the support that we've received from the, from the Kickstarter community has been, has been outstanding. So after Kickstarter, talk about the plans. Um, you know, you, you're, I think you said that you're looking to integrate with, with various, uh, software platforms and frameworks out there. You're probably looking at the the smorgasbord of, of the home kits and the nests and all these guys say, what do we integrate with? But, but also then what, you know, where are we going to find you guys at retail and how soon? So we're going to, we're going to be in retail on online retail very, very soon. Um, you, you're going to see us in, in the February timeframe uh, already taking orders online. We have a few, as, as, we've been talking to a few retailers also. And uh, as you know, as a consequence of the Kickstarter campaign, we've, we've been approached by 
by multiple channels in terms of get to, to our users. And we're looking at all of them. One of the things that we've learned in terms of building hardware, right, is, is you gotta build the company and the hardware in a, in a set of paces, right? And we've, we've been very careful with that. The, the Kickstarter campaign also allows us to ship a hundred units in January, make sure everything is perfect, right? We make sure that our tech support is right there, that our product, you know, guidelines and usage is right there, that anything that pops up that it's an issue, we can quickly fix. And then we ship another three or 400 units, and then we're ready to sh start shipping in the thousands. And that's when we want to be hitting retail. So when you stood back and did the market case, because you guys are veteran business and tech guys, and you kind of wrote the business plan, how big is this market in terms of like, you know, how many people actually would use something like this? Um, and then what type of user are you looking at? I mean, is this something that like my mom, who's not technical at all, or, or can install? So you know, first, how big is the market and then how technical do you have to be to install this thing? Well, the total addressable market is is, is is in the tens of millions of homes. The The numbers we've got from different sources indicate that in the U.S. alone, there's around 40 million homes with uh, a pressurized irrigation system. And the vast majority of those um, systems are, are automated. So that's the addressable market. That's the long, long market. Um, short term, there's there's a few areas that are that we think are or personas, and we like to think about them in those terms. Uh, first is the connected user. Is the person that has bought a Sonos, that has bought a uh, a Nest, that has bought a an Anki drive, that has bought uh, a Wii Things, a Hue Light. The people that understand the value and 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 is and is akin to connecting devices within the home, that connected user. The other persona that we, we think is going to be really relevant is this avid um, green thumb. That's how we call him. The guy that, or the or the or the lady that really likes to garden and spends spends a lot of time in the garden. And I'm I'm personally related to that because my wife is like that and she loves to be able to manage her water at will and not being depending on the, the irrigation controller that it's hard for her to understand. And so you guys are talking to retailers. So can you give us a hint of where we're going to see, or is it too soon to, to discuss that? We're going to be going after the retailers that are, have embraced the, the connected home uh, space. We don't see ourselves as an irrigation company. We see ourselves as a home automation company. We see ourselves a home automation company that is focused on the outside of the house. And that's, that's where we want to grow our, our, our users and our distribution channel. Did you guys get a round of funding, or is it all angel funding? It's been so far all angel funding. We've got a, a, a couple of backers. One of them is, is, is our manufacturing partner. And the other one is um, a company close to both Matt and, and, and Orange County. <laughs> uh, I can take a couple stabs of that, but we'll, we'll let people use their imaginations. Hey, well, Manrique, this has been great hearing about you guys. Uh, sounds like uh, people could probably find you um, on Kickstarter if they just go to Kickstarter and look for Blossom. Is that, how, is that the best way to find you guys? That's the easiest way to find us. And, and, you know, we appreciate all the support from everybody. We think, uh, we think we can all make a little bit of a difference in, in, in the drought, in the environment, and in the awareness. Hey, well, great. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you, Mike. Well, that was it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Manrique. I know I did. I, I can't help but reminisce sometimes. I, I feel like I've been in this industry that connected home for so long. And so when I have a chance to talk about folks like Jeannie and Victor Sow, who were really, pretty instrumental in, in creating the home networking and connected home side of things. Uh, I, I love to do it. And, you know, I, every now and then I, I email 
uh, Janie, who I, I knew back when she was like in the the late nineties and, and, and Linksys was a scrappy little company. It's just fun to kind of uh, think about and talk about those folks and kind of talk about a little bit of the place they had and, and kind of developing this connected home. So that was fun talking about that. And then also of course, talking about Blossom and what they're doing there. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed uh, kind of the history as well when you try to leave that in. So yeah, you can find out more about Blossom at myblossom.com. And you can also find out more about The Smart Home Show at thesmarthomeshow.com or find us on technology.fm. Again, if you want to, if you're a listener and you want to try and win a smart lock, uh, you can do a couple of things. You can give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, send it into thesmarthomeshow at gmail.com. Or actually now you can just enter, uh, just join my newsletter. Go to nextmarket.co and uh, subscribe to the newsletter and forward the email confirmation to thesmarthomeshow@gmail.com. Why not? Why not try to win some goods? Well, that's it, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.